Psalm 103 from the New Revised Standard Version. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good for as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word of the Lord. Psalm 103 is one of the most beautiful and favorite of all psalms in the book of Psalms. A simple outline might describe it as a psalm of praise offered in three concentric circles which expand up and out in the shape of a cone, starting from an individual's life experience to that of a shared experience of the community and then outward, upward and outward to the far reaches of the cosmos. Let praise of God be celebrated. The first five verses of the psalm are personal and addressed to the self. The subject you or your is in the singular, so it might easily be translated my, such as when it's referring to all of God's benefits who forgives my sins, who heals my diseases. Um, and then the next uh, section, the next praise extends outward to the community in verses 6 through 18. 
in which the psalmist identifies as an individual who belongs to that community. And here you see a grammatical shift in the, from the singular to the plural, so that it's us and our experience of God that deserves praise and that is worthy of praise. God's steadfast love has been demonstrated throughout Israel's history back to the time when God made known his ways to Moses and then you have this parallelism and his righteous acts or his acts toward the people of Israel. It's saying the same thing in an extended way. And then finally, the praise moves from the individual and the communal experience to that of calling on all of the cosmos, all of God's created order, to join and um, to join in giving praise to the one who is transcendently enthroned in majesty. Every living thing in heaven and on earth is summoned to join in the anthem. But the more I've studied this psalm, and I wish this were a class and and I had handouts and I had a board that I could show you details. The poetry alone is worth looking at and, and the structure of this psalm. But then also um, the words, the steadfast love of the Lord repeats uh, five times in this hymn. The, the opening and the closing parallel one another. It's just beautifully constructed. I would do a grammatical analysis and show you how different verses relate back to each other uh, throughout the psalm. But this is a sermon, and you have to use your imaginations um, and hopefully the inspiration of God to, um, to get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I believe the structure and the meaning of this psalm hinges on these first two verses. The verse, first verse invokes a call to praise, and the second verse, a call not to forget. Those are the two essential themes of this whole psalm that gets reverberated throughout. The whole middle section, or the main section, <clears throat> to me is an elaboration of the items listed as God's benefits in verses 3 through 5. So, um, it doesn't necessarily follow in sequence. It bounces around so that you hear God redeems life from the pit. Just as he worked through Moses to save Israel from their oppression, their oppression and injustice at the hands of the Egyptians. And that causes each and every one of us to recall how has God saved us at different intervals in our lives. God crowns our lives according to his character with merciful, gracious, with merciful graciousness and abounding in steadfast love. God's consistent character is how he relates to us throughout our lives. God forgives and vanquishes our sins such that God's mystery, power, and favor encompasses tremendous dimensions. And in their day, it was thinking. Um, you know, they didn't have the language of galaxies and, and um, I don't know enough science or enough space tech terms to be able to say it, but that, that whole expansive sense of the created order and then the microscopic ability to see the minutest detail 
that's how the range and extent of our understanding of all of created matter and the universe exists. And so in their day, it was east to west and earth to heavens, such that this this presence of the most extreme contrast in human existence helps us understand how small and significant we are in comparison to the Almighty. And yet, God gives us his attention and compassion and care, which is the next thing. He heals and attends to all our diseases with compassion and care and remembers how limited we are as creatures, that we're just dust, finite and frail. And yet God cares for us. And then finally, God satisfies us with good as long as we live, is the phrase that it uses, such that as mortals we're temporal like grass or flowers, but God's faithfulness and steadfast love is forever and extends beyond us from generation to generation. So you see in those opening lines of why all of God's benefits are to be remembered because it it's the expansion of the entire psalm that goes back and repeats that, those themes. So now at this point, I want to just zero in on this call to praise and, and call not to forget and why those are so important. <clears throat> One of the chapters in C.S. Lewis's book, Reflections on the Psalms, is titled, A Word About Praising. And I think Lewis helps us get at why we might find it a little uncomfortable to praise God at times, particularly if you're English and reserved in your character and your demeanor. Um, I don't know who might be that, but I think as Presbyterians, we're, we're a little more cognitive than we are expressive. Let's just put it that way. Not all of us are, we're, we're raised Presbyterian, thank God. Okay, Lewis says he found it uncomfortable that the Psalms speak so much about praising God, and he was even more troubled by the idea that God wants it and desires our praise. As if God were saying, what I most want is to be told I'm good and great. Try, try saying that to your family members. Um, on a repeated basis throughout the day, if you would just say how good and great I am, that will go a long way. <laughs> but then Lewis came to the realization that of this most obvious fact, in telling everyone to praise God, the psalmists are doing what we all do when we speak of what we care about. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses it, but completes the enjoyment. Just ask Carrie Young about flowers and listen to her talk. She not only can name them, but she can talk about what, when they blossom and, what, and, and when to use them and how to arrange them so that the, their beauty explodes with appreciation. Or just ask Paul Palmatier about a dog. Uh, what kind of dog is this? And then you better take some time because he's, he's going to tell you all of its characteristics and attributes and 
why you might want to own it and why you might want to reconsider owning that dog. Or ask, um, um, ask Frank Gorman about wood and why he chose the different woods here in this communion table that he crafted and how he pieces those woods together and how some wood, pieces of woods can bend and others won't and, and why it brings out the color and, and the texture so that you see it as a remarkable, beautiful thing. Or ask Bruce Purcell about a, a trail. Where does this take you and what do you see on the trail? Oh, let me tell you. Better yet, let me, let me take you there. You see, when, when there's something we value and appreciate, we talk about it. Ask Sandy Gilliam about her great-grandson. I got the right, it's a son, not a... Yeah, it's hard to believe it's a great-grandson. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> wow, this is me. <laughs> if you missed that, she said the usual way. Okay. Wow, this is an interactive summer interactive sermon. I can't even read the next sentence. <laughs> So this is what it means to, to glorify God. I was, the next sentence has the word lovers in it. So, <laughs> so this is what it means to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In commanding us to glorify God, he's inviting us to participate in the enjoyment of our experience with God. Praising God then becomes important to, to that experience and deepens it in a way that nothing else quite does. This call to praise orients us to what is real, what is true, and what is of ultimate value and worth. Praise puts the focus where it belongs, which is on God. When we praise, we assert that we're not the center of the universe and that the world doesn't revolve around us. That's a hard thing to accept for some of us. Devotional writer... Um, Ali um, Halsby, in his book on prayer, distinguishes between the prayers that we make that are prayers of thanks versus prayers of praise. He says, when I give thanks, my thoughts still circle about me to some extent. But in praise, my soul ascends to self-forgetting adoration, seeing and praising only the majesty and power of God, and celebrating God's grace and goodness. Praise then is integral to our relationship with God. Look at it this way. The person who finds him or herself away from God or having experienced some distance from God is the one for whom praise has become silent or diminished. We associate praise with hymns and songs and prayer. But this text reminds us of something else, very important to praise, that we can verbalize God's attributes and God's actions to others, most especially to our children and to our children's children, talking about God and why we value God and what God's experience 
what our experience of God has been like. As well as sharing our praise of God to others who may not know God in the same way we do. No one's ever going to criticize your own personal relationship with God. They might criticize your beliefs or your thoughts. But when you talk about your experience, they, they cannot discredit that. Klaus, scholar Klaus Westermann says it this way. The summons has the remarkable, remarkable capacity to evoke an echo in those who hear it. If that person takes it up and repeats it, something inexplicable happens. This call is miraculously handed on, and once begun, it can no longer be silenced. Praise is contagious and reverberates not only in our souls, but beyond to those whom we share it. And he says the reason this effect for this effect is due to its foundation, and that's the next call. Forget not his benefits. I like this other translation that says, Let not all God's blessings go from your memory. Let not all God's blessings go from your memory. The call not to forget is what gives meaning to our lives and direction for us in, a, in the chaotic structures of organization and achievement and failure in which our lives are preoccupied with. The power and significance of remembering was reinforced for me recently by a news item which was repeated after Father's Day. The story was about the gift that Sophia Wilcox presented to her stepfather, Brian Sandusky of Maryland. During her middle school years, when most teens struggle with identity and self-worth, her stepfather, Brian, would leave post-it notes with uplifting and affirming messages for Sophia every day or quite frequently on her bedroom door. Things like, you're awesome or you can do this. Six years later, Sophia, who had kept the notes, gave them back to her stepfather in a framed collage surrounding a picture of the two of them from that time period. It was emotional for him and for all of us who witnessed this story's video. It's a powerful thing to remember and to have the evidence of those memories. I felt it myself not too long ago when I opened up one of my books and therein it was a post-it note my daughter had given me in her childhood. So there was a self-portrait with the words underneath, I love you, Dad. And that's helpful because she doesn't write or text very often anymore. So, so I just go back to that and say, okay, there was a time. <laughs> Eugene Peterson reminds us that if we forget God's blessings, we'll only be able to see our own efforts at making the best of a bad situation, only see our own haphazard attempts at capitalizing on opportunities available to us. In other words, we're reduced to just thinking it's about us again and what we do and what we accomplish, leaving God out of the picture entirely. 
If we forget God's blessings, we slip into what psychologists label sensory deprivation, and we become deaf, dumb, and blind to the flourishing miracle of God at work in our lives, not only in the catastrophic circumstances, but also in those casual, everyday activities and reflections. Next Saturday, as you are well aware, is July 20th, the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. 400,000 scientists, engineers, and NASA personnel worked on that mission that made it one of the greatest feats humans have ever accomplished and an event that captivated the world. If you didn't sit in front of a black and white television that day, you missed it. There was no YouTube or Google to replay the video and relive the event. It was live for all of us simultaneously. Well, at least all of us that are beyond 50 uh, might not include all of us. Yeah, definitely not you guys. Um, I was intrigued by the fact that NASA has sent out, had, had sent out and is collecting public memories of that event. Where were you? What was your experience of viewing it? What went through your mind? What was going on in your life at the time? And they're collecting this as part of a, of a total presentation of the significance of that event and why memory, why not forgetting is so important. The cousin to journalist Curtis Stevens wrote this. I was, at Little League, I was at a Little League party watching the moon landing after our last game of the season. There was a 7-Eleven across the street, so the mom at the party got all of us Coke Slurpees, which had just been invented. I sat there watching Neil Armstrong take the first steps on the moon while I took a taste of my first Coke Slurpee. I remember thinking how great it is to be an American. (laughs) William Vaughn Jr. of Maine said this, I was spending the summer on uh, uh, Monahagan Island where we had a family home. The island has no electricity. And across the street, a woman, June Day, had a generator She put her TV in the front yard, and a crowd gathered to watch the event. Watching TV on the island was a novel, but seeing the first man on the moon was unforgettable. We were all completely silent. It's important to remember and not forget how God has been involved in our lives and what God has done, not only in those monumental moments, but in the everyday experiences of our realization of God's goodness and steadfast love toward each and every one of us. And then for all of us as a community to remember and recall and celebrate. Because the pace of life and competition for our attention today has resulted in an ability to to forget. And with it comes an ever-growing danger that we lose what is vital. The call not to forget God's benefits reminds us of things of importance and value which integrates our lives and gives them meaning. 
the summons to praise God offers us participation in that which alone is truly steadfast, which alone can fit into a unified whole the many individual moments of our lives that change so rapidly and restlessly. And then as infinitesimally small human creatures, we must not forget what connects us to the mighty dimensions of eternity. So praise, praise with all your being the eternal God who sends his goodness and steadfast love into your life. For it's God's faithfulness which endows each of us in our life story and the history of God's people and the whole of creation with ultimate meaning. Praise be God. Amen. At this time, we're going to sing a song, which is very appropriate, titled, For These Reasons. It's not printed in your bulletin, so don't go there. Just listen to the song, and it's an echo, so you'll get the lyrics, and just look for the notes. Just, they're out there somewhere, and if, if you think the person next to you aren't, isn't singing the right notes, then forgive them. <laughs> 